0: In 1 Timothy 4.13, the Apostle Paul instructs the young pastor Timothy to devote himself to preaching and teaching and to the plain, profound reading of God's word to the church. Paul writes this, Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And this morning... I will read out loud for your hearing and mine the best sermon any of us could hear on a Sunday morning, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. For the past 20 weeks, holy smokes, for the past 20 weeks, we have given ourselves to the study of this first major discourse that Jesus delivered at the commencement of his three-year earthly ministry. After healing many Jews throughout the region of Galilee and after announcing that the kingdom of heaven had arrived, a large crowd of curious Jews had gathered just beyond Jesus' disciples in the hill country, the Mount of Galilee, and each of them had looming questions after seeing miracles and hearing the announcement that the kingdom of heaven had arrived. The questions in their minds were probably this, could this healer be the long-awaited Messiah? And what about this kingdom of heaven that he is announcing and inaugurating? What does that look like and how do we enter into it and how do we know who is a part of this kingdom? As we've seen, over the past 20 weeks, Jesus answers all of these questions and more in the Sermon on the Mount. And there isn't a better way that we could conclude our series than by reading it straight through. All of Scripture is inspired by God. We're going to look at that next week, Lord willing. All of scripture is inspired by God, of course, and the Sermon on the Mount was physically spoken by the mouth of the Son of God. In this sermon, Jesus tells his disciples, he tells the crowd, and he tells us an awful lot about who he is and who we are in light of him. He tells us how we are to conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven in the midst of a sinful world. He presents to us a way of life in this sermon. A way of life that is not and it will not be easy. But it is godly and good and its destination is nothing short of eternal life. Before I read this morning, would you join me in prayer? And then I would invite you to follow along if you'd like or to listen as we read. Let's pray first. Father, may you be glorified in the reading of your holy word. Holy Spirit, may you give to us the supernatural ability to hear and to trust and to obey. And Jesus, in our submission to your words, may we behold the good, godly life that you have purchased and purposed for us today and forever. Amen. This will take me about 18 minutes. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment and offer your gift come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison truly I say to you you will never get out until you have paid the last penny you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that Everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, Let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you what reward do you have do not even the tax collectors do the same and if you greet only your brothers what more are you doing than others do not even the gentiles do the same you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck? to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. It's no wonder the crowds in verse 28 were astonished at Jesus' teaching his message that we've just read is so counterintuitive it's so countercultural it's so much so that it must either be the ramblings of a madman or the wisdom of the godman in verse 29 it's no wonder the crowds perceived in jesus an authority That transcended the scribes and all the other misguided authorities of their day. Paul writes in Colossians, Jesus is the invisible God made visible. He is the word, the divine voice by whom molecules and matter and meaning and life were all spoken into existence. By him and through him and for him, Paul writes, everything obediently came forth from nothing. Everything obeyed his voice in coming into existence. It's no wonder the crowds perceived an otherworldly authority in Jesus. They were hearing with their ears the same voice that had spoken into existence the mount they were gathered on let me ask you in closing and I'm asking myself the same I'm never above you is there a part of the sermon on the mount that feels as though it is aimed right at you it is That is the Holy Spirit beckoning you to listen, to trust, to repent, and to obey. Specifically, which of Jesus' exhortations and commands and warnings have stirred you? What have you heard that has been unsettling, convicting? That is God the Holy Spirit graciously prompting you, he's prompting you, it is time, it is time that you and I in our respective ways admit to our anger or to our lust or to our empty promises. It is time to confess to God and to confess to a trusted fellow believer a brother or sister in Christ. It's time to confess to a trusted believer who will ask and seek and knock with you in prayer. Someone who will walk beside you and encourage you and challenge you and ask you the tough questions that no one else is asking you when it comes to your anger or lust or empty promises or how about your anxiety? Or your love of money. Or your judgmentalism. Maybe like me, you have gotten used to these dangers being in your life. You may not even notice how much those sins are depleting your delight in Christ. And your dependence on Christ. Yes, our anxiety and love of money and judgmentalism and all the other Sins, the litany of things that made me convicted and just reading it right now, all of those things do not add to. They steal from the good, godly life on the narrow path to which Christ has called us. They thieve. They do not add. How about your empty fasting? If you fast at all, How about your self-glorifying giving or your disingenuous prayers? I am so convicted by that portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Look, it's time to confess to God. It's time to confess to a trusted believer that looking religious is often more desirable to us than real fellowship with God built upon transparent, broken, and contrite poverty of spirit. I am so quick to settle for looking like I have it together. Isn't it haunting? Isn't it haunting and wonderful at the same time that our Heavenly Father sees the discrepancy between our Sunday selves and our secret selves? He knows the difference. He sees it. He knows how phony I am a lot of the time. The Sermon on the Mount is as profitable and instructive and corrective and helpful to us 21st century American Christians as it was to the 1st century Jews to whom Jesus first delivered this. May we cherish the Sermon on the Mount and every other inspired, inerrant word that is in God's book. I'm going to in just a second invite Ed to to come up and I'm not going to belabor this The, the word of the Lord has been read God has spoken this morning as we sing may we do so confessing our convictions and asking God to help us to truly repent I can't do that in my own strength neither can you Repentance is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask him, and I hope that we ask him, let's not just leave it at the conviction that leads to a confession. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. A confession and then a turning. A turning that does not return to its sin like a dog returns to its vomit. As we sing, may we do so reminding ourselves... What Jesus said at the very start of this wondrous sermon. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Let that gospel glory ping pong around in your mind and in your heart right now. Forgiveness, freedom, and forever life in the family of God belongs to those who know they don't belong. If you, to any shred of what I have, in just reading that sermon this morning, I have been reminded altogether of how unworthy I am to even be here, how much of a train wreck I am on my best day, and how undeserving I am to sit at the banquet table that will be when the family of God feasts together with King Jesus face to face. I do not deserve to be there. And there is absolutely nothing I can do. Anything. Nothing I can offer to a holy God. And if you are in that same boat. That is poverty of spirit. And to those who have poverty of spirit. Jesus opens in chapter 5 verse 3. It's the kingdom of heaven. Yep. It belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we sing, may we repentantly embrace poverty of spirit. And Jesus has told us how we might do that. Ask, seek, and knock. And ask God to place your two feet firmly on the narrow path of the good, godly life. As we sing, you're invited to do that. Let's pray. Ed, you can come up. Father, nothing that I have said this morning can add or enhance a word of your son's perfect oration in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Your perfect word has been read and your Holy Spirit is here to convict. I thank you for that. Would you, Father, for your glory, for our saving righteousness and our good godly lives, for as many days as you give us from here on out? Could be just today, could be tomorrow, I don't know, you know, but Lord, would you conform us by your mysterious grace? Through your Holy Spirit, conform us to your word because otherwise we are just playing around getting together on a Sunday morning. We're just pretending to be righteous. Lord, would you please do a deep, work that can only come from you may you break and make our, our hearts contrite. may you lead us to our knees in a poverty of spirit that knows the only people who are qualified for the kingdom of heaven are those who know they are not qualified in and of themselves but only Jesus in his righteous blood poured out can qualify and in fact it has to any and all who are under the fount of that blood by faith we praise you And we ask that you would finish what you have started. We ask that in confidence, knowing that you will, and begin today, Lord. Take us in our conviction to confession. Make our confession to be that of repentance and walking in the promised forgiveness, the salvific graces of Jesus Christ. May we walk in wholeness, fullness, goodness, and glory with you today, now, and forever. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen.